Hey guys, John Rothstein here. It's March and you know what that means. The world's greatest tournament is in full swing and with FanDuel you can make every upset, every buzzer beater, even every 15-foot jumper means so much more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets if you win. That's $200 extra dollars you can use to bet on the blue blood that's getting ready to raise another banner. Or that sneaky mid-major you think has a chance to pull off a run for the ages. Or you can just bet on a team with a funny mascot. That's always fun too. Just sign up for America's number one sports book today and bet the tourney from the playing games until they cut down the nets. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. Must be first online real money wager. $10 deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome into the Alana Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Werner here with you yet again. Kind of doing a lot of podcasts this week. Got another one coming up later on in the week, uh, focusing on a former Illini grad who uh, is now covering the Bulls and plenty of talk about with the Bulls with the last dance documentary and all, all their front office. So uh, something a little bit different coming up later this week. But we do have something, again, to look forward to in the sports world. No live sports going on, but there will be a live sporting event this week as the NFL draft gets underway. And I caught up with a great expert, CBSSports.com's Josh Edwards, and we talk about uh, the two Illini draft prospects that I think have a chance to get drafted. Um, One of them, I believe, and the other one I, I don't think will, but we talk a little bit about him because he's been on radars here for a year. But Oloi Batiku, as well as Reggie Corbin. Josh has seen a lot of both, and he provides very honest opinions about both. Um, some good and not some not so good. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about those guys coming up with Josh. But I also just get into this draft class, uh, especially the quarterbacks we get into, and a lot of the Big Ten prospects, or um, several of the Big Ten prospects that I think you're going to be looking forward to hearing from on day one and day two of the NFL draft that will go very high. So we break down that a little bit. Of course, Illinois football has not had a lot of draft picks here recently. If Batiku, who I think is the one guy who's likely to get drafted or possibility of getting drafted, if he does not get drafted, that'll be four out of the last seven years Illinois hasn't had a draft pick. And before that, it was 40 out of 41 years Illinois had a draft pick, and I think it was 2007 was the one year where they didn't. Um, So obviously that's not a good sign of of program health and talent. And in this Big Ten conference, you certainly need talent. Now, the good news is I think that's going to change here coming up very shortly because I think next year's class has some no-doubt NFL draft picks. uh, And I would start that list. I'm actually going to have a piece coming out uh, with several seniors because I think the 2017 class for Lovey Smith has turned out to be very, very good. And that includes losing guys like Lou Dorsey or Bennett Williams, um, who are very good their freshman years. But I think you look at guys like Alex Palczewski. I, I think that guy's going to be at the NFL Combine next year. It's been a long time since Illinois had guys at the NFL Combine. Dewan Smoot, Jared Clements, Chunky Clements, uh, were some of the last guys. Hardy Nickerson was there with Carol Phillips that year. They had four guys there. Um, it's been a while since Illinois had that many, but I think Alex Pelczewski will be there. 
I know you guys, I've been hyping this guy for a long time, but he's got NFL traits, man. And you put him in a combine, I think he's going to shine. Nate Hobbs, got to make more plays on the field, but you started to see that this year. Uh, 11 PBUs this year, which led the team. Uh, had a fumble return for a touchdown. You saw a speed on that one. So I think he's going to be uh, an NFL draft pick next year. Vidarian Lowe, I think, has the chance to if she if he shows consistency. And, of course, Josh, you Matt Torbebe, uh, I think, will have a chance. It reminds me of Tyler Johnson going in this year uh, from Minnesota. I thought he was smart to come back for another year, uh, Bebe. But you see, you see the traits, and if he shows consistency, I, I think he's got a chance to be a draft pick because he's got the size, athleticism, not quick, um, not, not a guy that, that's perfect as a route runner quite yet, but I think he can shore that stuff up this year. Vidarian Lowe, I think, has got very high upside. Jake Hansen has a chance. Uh, he is a big-time playmaker. We kind of overlook his year because he missed the last four games. But you saw Illinois wasn't as good when he was out. So I think Jake Hansen has a really good chance. And I will not count out Blake Hayes. I mean, there's a couple punters taken every year. What, two to four almost every year? Blake Hayes, Big Ten punter of the year. And uh, he's one of the best. We've seen how accurate he is. We see how big that leg is. Uh, would not surprise me if Blake Hayes heard his name called as well. And then you got future guys that, you know, on, on the defensive line that might have a chance, some defensive backs that might have a chance. But I think next year's team has a pretty good chance to have a couple draft picks, not just uh, one or zero. And then, of course, you look down the line of guys like Marquez Beeson, Luke Ford. Uh, I like some of the defensive linemen they're bringing through this program as well that'll have chances eventually. But uh, that's a sign of, of an improving program. You need to consistently get guys to the NFL. Because one, you have talent. Two, you're developing that talent. So it'd be good for Illinois to see another draft pick this year, avoid another shutout. Um, you know, last year they were able to do that with Nick Allegretti. We'll see if they're able to do it this year with old Wooly Batiku. But that's enough of me vamping. Let's get to the expert. Josh Edwards, CBS Sports, joined me to break down the Illini prospects, Reggie Corbin and Oloy Batiku. I did not get into Dele Harding because he hadn't seen him play that much. I think Dele has a chance to get into a camp. Uh, I think Jamal Milan's got a chance to get into a camp. I think his injury questions are going to keep him from uh, being in the mix for a draft. And uh, he, he wasn't able to go through his pro day. And, and Stanley Green, just don't know if he has the speed to do that. But uh, Richie Pettibone, uh, didn't even see him at the pro day, so I don't know if he's an NFL prospect either. But uh, those are the three guys. Dele Harding, who's at an all-star event. Reggie Corbin, who's at an all-star event. And, of course, Oloy Batiku, a former five-star prospect. We talk about those guys with Josh Edwards, but also just get into the wider look at the draft, including Big Ten prospects and the quarterbacks. Here's Josh Edwards of CBSSports.com. Welcome in, Josh Edwards, CBS Sports NFL draft expert, joining us now. And, and Josh, Illinois hasn't had very many high draft picks, but they're just hoping to uh, get another guy in the draft. So I want to break down some of those guys with you. But first of all, when you look at this 2020 NFL draft, of course, it's going to be known as one that happened during this pandemic and was done virtually. But as you look at this crop of talent, what do you make of this draft and the talent that's coming into the NFL? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think there's a lot of really good talent at the top. Um, I saw a report today where there's actually more than uh, some teams have more than 32 players with a first round grade, which is unheard of. I've never heard of anything like that. We've got 25 players with a first round grade on CBSSports.com, um, so that's actually really good. We we think really highly of this class, but um, for some teams to think there's more than 32 first round players is uh is pretty absurd but there's depth in this class as well i think there's a lot of 
players that can, you know, fill some roles and possibly even start that can be found on day three. So this is a really great opportunity for teams to kind of bolster their rosters. Uh, We're in some really weird times right now, obviously, with the kind of unknowns that we're dealing with in terms of medicals, um, character flags, you know, visits that we normally have didn't take place. So, um, you know, I think teams are doing the best that they can with the information that they have. And at the end of the day, they're going to going to find some really good players in this draft. And what always makes for a good draft for media companies is is the quarterback storylines in this one. Couldn't really get any better um, from the guy at the top with one of the best college seasons ever in Joe Burrow. Tua with the injury question. Uh, Jordan Love, who's a high-ceiling guy. Justin Herbert. Um, how do you kind of separate these quarterbacks in this class? Yeah, like you said, I mean, the quarterback storylines are always what draws the mass appeal. So we have that in spades this year with this quarterback class because there's obviously the injury concern with Tua. Um, there's the question about, you know, where is a guy like Jordan Love going to be taken? Is Justin Herbert going to be in the mix for the Chargers? I mean, there are a ton of storylines. We have zero clarity on what is going to happen Thursday. So that's going to be really appealing as as fans across the country tune in on Thursday night. But as I look at this quarterback class, for me, it's obviously Joe Burrow because he has the fewest amount of red flags, fewest amount of concerns. Um, Tua Tagovailoa is still number two for me because I don't have access to his medicals. Mm -hmm. So I'm going based on what I've heard and what I've seen on film. And what I see on film is a pretty consistent player. He doesn't have the strongest arm. But if you're a team like Miami who has struggled to build a culture in that locker room, not only under Brian Flores, but in previous years as well, to add a guy like Tuatanga Vailoa to that locker room is going to uplift the expectations of everybody there. He's going to be able to come in, rally the troops, uh, be the Pied Piper, as, as Hugh Jackson liked to, liked to say with Baker Mayfield. So um, he has a ton of talent. And then for me, Justin Herbert is probably right there with Jordan Love. Um, in terms of the grade, I've got Jordan Love a little higher because I like what I see in terms of his potential. He has a lot of room for growth. There's no denying that, but his touch that he displays is actually pretty good. He's got a really strong arm. He's capable from throwing, um, throwing from different platforms. He's great on the run. <clears throat> so, I'm almost describing a Patrick Mahomes kind of player here, and he's not Patrick Mahomes. Right. I want to make that very clear, but you see some of those similarities between their game, and I can understand why NFL head coaches and general managers would be excited about what he brings to the table. Um, and as far as Herbert is concerned, I quite frankly don't think that Oregon was the best system for him um, You know, over the past couple of years. I don't think they were able to show the best attributes that he brings to the table. So – a lot of general managers, they would have loved to bring him in, put them through some, some of their own drills, um, you know, put him on uh, the whiteboard to walk through some of the plays, see how he sees things pre-snap, all that kind of stuff. But because of the lack of transparency that we had in this process with without the top 30 visits, without pro days in a lot of examples and private workouts and all that kind of stuff, there's going to be a level of uncertainty with, not only Tua Tagovailoa, but Justin Herbert and Jordan Love as well. So this is going to be really interesting. Um, I think there's a wide range of where these quarterbacks could be taken, but 
at the end of the day, I feel pretty confident in saying that four of those guys are going to be taken in the first round. Yeah, and, and not to belabor the quarterback point because we focus so much on them, but they're so important. Um, even that third tier of quarterbacks, like Jacob Eason is how you draw them up, right? But uh, is it you wish you could put maybe Jake Fromm's mind in, in Jacob Eason's body and then Jalen Hurts between those two guys? Is, is he a quarterback? He had such great college success. What do you make of those guys? Yeah, I mean, you described the perfect prospect there with uh, Jacob Eason's body, his arm strength, all that kind of stuff. If you were able to put it in Jake Fromm's, um, or if you were able to put Jake Fromm's, you know, brain and pre-snap reads and all that kind of stuff into Jacob Eason. Jacob Eason is the tall, you know, physically built quarterback that, that general managers fall in love with every single year. It's a guy that John Elway has taken time and time again and not gotten anything out of. Um, you know, over the past decade. So there's a lot of upside with him. He's got tremendous arm strength. Um, his, his accuracy is just very inconsistent. And there's some some differences on whether or not that that can be coached to a level where it actually becomes consistent. Um, Josh Allen has gone through similar kind of struggles with Buffalo. He's never been known as a highly accurate quarterback, but um, with the, with what they've been able to do in that offense, I've, I think they've kind of been able to work some of that out. Jalen Hurts, I think he's probably a backup quarterback with low-level starting potential. Uh, we keep hearing the Taysom Hill kind of comparisons where you want him on your roster so you can bring him into the game for some gadget plays, whether it's um, to tuck it and run, which he has shown that he's capable of doing at Oklahoma, or um, just standing in the pocket and delivering a pass downfield. It gives teams a little bit more versatility in what they're able to do on that side of the football. So um, I can understand the appeal there. I, for me, the value is probably not until the third round. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation that he could actually rise into the second round, which to me is a little early, but I understand the thought process. And then Jake Fromm, he was a favorite for me early on, just because I do love the way that you know, he, he reads the defense pre-snap. I love his intangibles. I love his, his football IQ. Um, his accuracy is pretty good, but his arm strength is incredibly limited. And we saw kind of what you need him to be at the NFL level this over the past couple of years because in 2018, he looked like a really good quarterback, and that was because they had a lot of talent around him. Michael Hardman was there of course, and, you know, they had some, some running backs there as well. And in 2019, they didn't have nearly as much developed talent at the wide receiver position. They've got a lot of talent, but not developed talent that he had gotten on the same page with over the course of a couple of years. So you saw his production slip. You didn't. You see that he wasn't as comfortable um, pushing the ball downfield. So I think he's going to be a low-level starter as well. Um he'll probably start off as a backup, but if he could end up in a situation like New Orleans, um, you know, where he can continue to learn and grow under Drew Brees, you know, that would be a fantastic fit for him. But um, you kind of know that you're going to have to surround him with players that are probably more talented to get the most out of them. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, Two guys at the top of this draft that, that long have been 
in in the slots in the top five are from the Big Ten. Of course, I watch a lot of Big Ten. We watch a lot of Big Ten around here. Uh, Chase Young on the edge and Jeff Akuda uh, plays cornerback, uh, both for Ohio State. And I, I guess we got the the best prospects to come out at their positions also were from Ohio State here recently. Nick Bosa last year, Joey Bosa a couple years before that. Jeff Akuda compared to, I guess, a Denzel Ward. How, how do those guys kind of compare to the previous Ohio State top five guys at, at their position? Yeah, and, you know, that's not even really touching on Joe Burrow, who, of course, is a former Buckeye as well. So <laughs> um, it's probably not easy to talk about, you know, for your for your Illinois followers, but um, they've been stacked. I mean, they – and we're seeing it on the recruiting trail again this year. What The class that they've already built – um, is absolutely absurd. So there's there's no slowing down there in Columbus. But um, Chase Young, I love what he's able to, to, to do on the football field. I think he probably deserves more credit in terms of his technical aspects than probably what he gets you know, credit for. Um, everybody says that Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa, they were these technically sound, strong players. And that's absolutely true. But Chase Young, he's maybe not quite as technically sound, but he, he has really good um, hand fighting. I mean, he, he's got kind of like the, the, the Bosa club rip that they made so infamous there in Columbus. I mean, he, he was able to compile that with his own athleticism, which I think is at a higher level than what we saw from the Bosa's. So I would put him a little bit above Joey and Nick Bosa. Um, Of course, that's tough to justify (laughs) seeing what those two have done in the NFL, but I think that's just kind of the potential that he has. Jeff Okuda, um, I love the way that he plays. I love a cornerback that's going to be willing to contribute in run support, and that's exactly who he is. He's a guy that's not only going to lock you down in main coverage, which you know he can he can play in zone coverage as well, but he's going to contribute to the run. He's going to sniff out those screens. He's going to blow your running back up in the backfield. Those are the kind of contributions that he can make, even if you don't throw it to the player that he's defending. Um, so he's very similar to Marshawn Lattimore and Denzel Ward, probably a little bit closer to, to Denzel Ward in the way that his body is structured. Um, and they're, they're pretty similar players actually. in the fact that Ward was another guy that, um, loved to contribute and run support as well. So I'm really excited to see what those guys are going to do in the NFL. I think there's tremendous, um, production coming for both of them at the next level. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're going to have to see how that, where they go. But if if Chase Young goes to Washington, they've already got a pretty good defensive line there, so that could actually free him up to make some additional plays. Um, I also understand the argument where maybe Washington should trade back a little bit, pick up an extra draft pick, and take a guy like Isaiah Simmons because yeah. they do need more linebacker help than they do at the defensive line. So. It would be a tough decision to make, but there's no doubt in my mind that that Chase Young and Jeff Okuda are going to be productive regardless of where they go. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. 
Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash decide. That's linkedin.com slash decide. Terms and conditions apply. I just want to hit a few more Big Ten players before I ask you about the Illinois guys, Josh. And uh, Iowa always has linemen. And I, I always think that's a measure of Illinois' growth as a program is how they handle Iowa in the trenches. And this year they, they battled them and actually I think outplayed them at times in the trenches. But they got two great ones in Tristan Wirfs, the offensive lineman, and A.J. Epinesa, who is a sophomore, just almost single-handedly blew out Illinois during a, about a five-minute stretch. He scored a couple touchdowns on defense. Um what, what do you make of those guys at the next level? Obviously, it seems like Worfs is going to go top 10. Uh, Epinesa looks like a top 40 guy. Uh, what do you like, and, and what do you think of those guys at the next level? No question. There's a, a ton of respect for Kirk Ferentz, you know, around the scouting community, around the coaching community. I spoke to Duke Mannyweather, who is a private offensive line coach and has, has been working with Makai Becton since December um, he was talking about Tristan Wirfs, and this happens to be a sentiment that I agree with, but he can hold up at offensive tackle, which is probably why you keep him at offensive tackle. Uh, at the same time, you look at a guy like Brandon Sheriff, who played offensive tackle for the Hawkeyes as well, mm-hmm. and then moved inside, and he's become a really special interior offensive line player. I think Tristan Wirfs has similar capacity. I think he could be a really special interior offensive lineman um, but because the offensive tackle play in the NFL has been so poor in the past decade, um, teams are just not going to be willing to move him inside. They're going to give him every chance possible to be successful on the edge. Um, he's a little bit outside the top 10 for me, I believe. He's probably my fourth offensive tackle at this point in time. Um, I love what he brings to the table. He's still one of those four elite options. And I think he should be gone before I, – I, I think all four of those tackles will be gone by pick number 12, <laughs> um, which kind of says a little bit about what I think of this class because I'm pretty sure that the Jets, the Giants, will lean towards uh, those tackle positions. But Tristan Wirfs, I mean, he's got incredible athleticism. He oversets a little bit, which is a, which is a concern, but um, that can be coached out easily with, with discipline and um, – you know, if he's if he's willing to commit and, and be coachable, which by every account he is. I mean, he, he worked under Kirk Ferentz, and Ferentz wouldn't accept anything less. So I think he could be really successful. Um, and then A.J. Epinesa, I'm actually higher on him than most people. You talked about top 40. I think top 40 is probably insane. He should. He's a first-round caliber player, in my opinion. I think he's been slept on yeah. here in the past couple of months because he's so strong. He's technically sound. He's not going to blow you away with his, you know, with his athletic traits, 
but he's just a brute. He's he's going to beat you in ways that you really can't game plan. You can't scheme against. Um, so I look forward to seeing what he can do in the NFL because I think he has a lot of upside. And I think if he gets in the right system, he can play on the edge, but he can also play along the interior defensive line if, yeah. if you kind of have those NASCAR packages on the field and um, you're trying to do some different things. So I hope he lands in the right system. I think we'll really be able to see him flourish at the next level if given the opportunity. Um, but I don't know where he's going to be taken. For me, he's a first-round player. But like you said, I mean, there's there's definitely some discussion that maybe he might slip into the second round. Yeah, I, I'm with you, by the way, Josh. I, I think a, a good team could get a really nice player right away if they get up and that's a, a, in the back half of the first round or, or even the early second. Um, okay, one more. Jonathan Taylor, uh, Wisconsin running back. Sometimes you wonder, how good are these guys? Um, because their offensive line is always so good. But this guy was unbelievably productive. Uh, we see his speed. Um, feels more Melvin Gordon-like than, than some of those other big Wisconsin lumbers that, that have come through. But what do you think of him at the next level? Yeah, I really like him as a player. I'm a little bit concerned with his, his amount of carries over the past four years. I mean, he's averaged over 299 carries a season, which is absurd. And while he's been able to stay healthy and he hasn't even missed a practice from what I've been told, you have to be a little bit concerned with the kind of workload that he has received um, in Madison. Because when you look at the state of the running back position in the NFL, there are players that are productive through the first four years of their contract. But then when you give them those big second contracts, it just hasn't worked out Mm -hmm. recently. I mean, we've seen that with Todd Gurley. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette is probably not going to get that second deal. Uh, there's, there's been some other guys, David Johnson hasn't worked out either. So there's a lot of risk when you're talking about possibly extending a running back into his second contract. So I think you have to be a little concerned with his workload, his, um, fumbling tendencies is a bit of a concern as well. That's going to keep him off the field if he doesn't get that corrected. Otherwise, you see the elite top end speed. I think he's got good vision. Um, I was impressed with how he has worked so hard to become a better pass catcher. Um, you know, that was something that he identified as a weakness in his game, and he really devoted himself to, to improving that ahead of the 2019 season. So you have to be excited about a player that's willing to diagnose their own weaknesses and work to get better. Um, and then he's become more patient. I, I kind of look at him almost like Le'Veon Bell when he was coming out because Le'Veon Bell has, has obviously become known for his patient approach. And I think Jonathan Taylor was much more patient this year when he was approaching the line. And then, you know, he had some burst. But, you know, I, I think he's probably not going to be taken until the second round. That's kind of the sweet spot where I see – all of these prospects, I kind of see George's DeAndre Swift having a slim chance of getting into the first round, but I think you could see six, five, five or six running backs in the second round, which, you know, for a position that's kind of been devalued across the NFL, that actually says a little bit about the depth in this class. I think there are some really good players that you could even get into day three. So I, I think that class has probably been slept on a little bit, and Jonathan Taylor's certainly one of the elite options. 
Yeah, a couple of those fumbles, by the way, came against that uh, loss to Illinois. Uh, yeah, 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 that was a bad one. <laughs> Illinois should have uh, more guys that you scout next year, Josh, by the way. Uh, but this year, they got a couple guys I wanted to ask you about. And, and Oluwole Batiku, a former five-star prospect that uh, came out of gates real strong, seven sacks in his first three games, some against lower-level competition, of course. Uh, cooled off after that with an injury, uh, Big Ten competition, of course. And... He made the decision to go pro, and I was a little bit surprised because I thought he had a lot to gain by coming back for another year. Uh, but he's a four; he's been in college for four years. Um, it seems like he's a, a borderline draft pick by by most people at this point. I, I know you've seen a few games of him. What do you think of him? Yeah, um, upside is really the name of the game here. You see, you know, this top ten player out of high school, and. Uh, you know, he, he finally started to show a little bit of that this year with his nine sacks. I think he's still kind of a raw prospect. He's still learning the game. Um, he's a bit slow off the snap. I think if he would kind of quicken his – he's got to figure out something to get quicker off the snap. Otherwise, he's not going to be on the field um, much at the next level. But he's got active hands. I love the fact that, you know, he's always going to play to the whistle. Yeah. Um, you see some hand fighting – that certainly needs to improve. So there's a lot to like about his game. He's not slow. I mean, he's not, he doesn't lack of explosiveness. He just doesn't time the snap very well. He's always like a half second late. So um, I would like to see him grow more comfortable in getting off the line. And then you're able to see some of these raw traits kind of come into play because nine sacks does not happen accidentally. You've got to be a pretty good player. And I think you see flashes of that in his game, but he's got to do it more consistently. And, um, you know, the NFL is not the best for development. You kind of hope that you're more of a developed, finished product by the time you get to the NFL because they don't have as much time to develop you. So, like you said, I mean, I would have liked to see him come back for another year, um, but I don't know the circumstances of his family. I mean, it it may have been a situation that was best for him. I I don't know. I'm not one to judge. Um, in that regard, but, you know, I, I think there's a chance he could slip into the seventh round. I think we've got him as like the number 276 player and there's 255 picks on the draft. So he's certainly a possibility to get into the seventh round, especially when you're talking about a guy with upside on the edge, no less. Um, cause there's never, a, I mean, there's, there's always a shortage of edge rushers. So Teams are always looking to fill that position. So I could see a, a team taking a chance on him. Yeah. Um, we see every year we see these quote-unquote first-round busts that get different opportunities with teams in free agency, and that's because coaches are the most competent, c- confident, um, optimistic people in the world. They're just – they have this um, belief that they're going to be able to get the most out of any player. So – they see a former first-round pick, they're saying, you know, the, his former team was not able to get it out of him, but we might be able to do that. So they bring in former first-round picks, at least for training camp, just to see if there's anything in the tank that they could possibly bring out. And I think you're seeing that more with high school prospects as well. Mm-hmm. To be rated a number nine overall prospect out of high school, you've got to be a really special player. You've got to have the traits that analysts are seeing. And I think – NFL teams are starting to be more aware of that as well. I think um, like Byron Cowart was an example recently where, you know, I think it was the Patriots that ended up taking him, but because he was a former five-star player, 
they took a chance on him because they know that there's talent in there. It's just a matter of cultivating that talent and bringing it out. And um, when I look at Batiku, I mean, you kind of see some of those qualities, but he's still raw. That's going to have to be brought out at the next level. And, and I hope that some team gives him um, the time to, to kind of do that, especially now with the possibility that we don't even have training camp. Right. I mean, if he doesn't get into a training camp and work with coaches, you know, I, I hate to say it, but he could be out of the league pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, he seems like a lottery ticket, boomer bust type, but in sixth, seventh round, it seems like uh, it might be worth it for some team. Uh, I thought Reggie Corbin might go a year prior because I, I just didn't know, Josh, if he could duplicate the success he had as a junior that kind of came out of nowhere, with the, especially long runs for a guy who's not known as a speed guy. Comes back for a senior year, uh, helps Illinois get to a bowl game, but not nearly as productive in yards per carry. Um I don't know uh, if he's the perfect scat back type because he's not as you know uh, tested in the passing game. There's there's not as much there. But what do you think of his his chances in the NFL? I, I don't see him getting drafted, but what do you think of his chances of latching onto a team? Yeah, I don't even really see him latching onto a team at this point. Um, there's a lot of good backs in this class, and I don't think he um, has really shown to belong in that conversation you know besides the kind of athleticism deficiencies that you mentioned I I see a player that shows bad attitude just bad body language on the field and that's you know when you're looking to take players at the bottom of the seventh round you're you're looking at guys that are going to contribute on special teams and you know not be a problem in the locker room and that kind of stuff and I don't I don't know if he was a problem in the locker room but just on tape I mean you see a guy that's got some bad body language um, didn't seem to fight through tackles too much. He had to decrease production from 2018. So there's a lot of concerns in his game. I wouldn't touch him, um, you know, in this draft, but I could see him getting an opportunity in training camp if we get that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about the ceiling that I see for him at this point in time. But one question I kind of have for you yeah. is how do Illinois fans <laughs> – view a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn are they uh yeah. are they rooting for him as a as a former Illinois transfer or yeah, how's that look I think they are because Keyshawn had a really good early start to his career um but Garrick McGee who's the offensive coordinator here um didn't like Reggie Corbin didn't play him much that year uh Keyshawn Vaughn didn't play much either now Kendrick Foster who wasn't even an NFL prospect had a decently productive year but didn't seem to use those guys very well and didn't seem to uh you know have a lot of people who liked him in that offensive room so he got they moved on from him and uh, the players have liked the new offensive coordinator a little bit more but I was happy for Keyshawn because the day Lovey took over here Josh uh, he said Keyshawn Vaughn's an NFL back so he was right he just couldn't hold on to him so yeah I think at this point most people are rooting for him that's good I like what I see of him on tape I mean he's um, you know that whole Vanderbilt team kind of went down this year from the quarterback to the wide receiver to the tight end to the, to the running back. So all of those guys suffered from a loss of production. And I, I think there's probably uh, there, there's ever little coincidence when something like that happens, that widespread. So mm-hmm. I think teams are, are going to give him a chance because they see what kind of a player he is. He's incredibly explosive. You know, he can catch passes and, um, you know, all that stuff. I, I don't think he's going to go before day three. Yeah. But I could see him being a really, really good NFL back with, you know, his explosive traits and everything. So excited to see him. I hope he gets in the right situation and uh, 
you know, hopefully he can make Illinois fans proud. No, yeah, I, I think he was well-liked here. Josh Edwards, this was great, man. Appreciate your time, and uh, have fun. At least we got something to look forward to as sports fans here and, and a lot of content coming up, I know, at cbssports.com. Josh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed my discussion with Josh. I know some of you probably won't like what he said about Reggie Corbin. I was glad uh, he was honest about it. I didn't think Reggie had a great year, of course, and uh, I would say he danced a little bit too much, tried to hit some home runs. Uh, But that's why I thought last year, after his great junior year, he had to really consider leaving because I just didn't know if he could duplicate that year. Now, he certainly helped Illinois get to a bowl game, a lot of rushing touchdowns this year, a couple big runs, uh, but not as many as he had the previous year. That had something to do with the receivers around him, the talent around him. Also, Dre Brown stepping up and into a bigger role, uh, but he's got a lot more to show, and uh, I just felt like his stock was a little higher last year after all those long runs, after that big season, and I just don't know if he proved himself as a wide receiver, a guy who can go out and catch passes, a guy who could block. I thought he really struggled as a blocker, but uh, I think Reggie's got a chance, uh, but he's got to make the most of it. I I thought he had a really good offseason, by the way, training for the draft, had a pretty good showing uh, at his pro day, uh, but ran a 4.62. And when you're a back like he is, who's going to be more of a scat back, more of a change of pace guy, uh, they probably want to see a little bit more speed. So I think he's going to get into a camp, and then he's going to have to really shine and hopefully get in the right spot uh, to impress some scouts. I do think Batiku gets drafted. Uh, I just don't know why you wouldn't take a lottery ticket on a guy like that. Um, you know, if you have a couple seventh-round picks or a late sixth-round pick, uh, you know, it's hard to find guys with that kind of talent, but he is raw. And that's why I thought he'd come back. I thought he'd come back and try to raise his stock to possibly a day two pick, second, third round. Um, and I wouldn't have put it outside the realm of first round. But, you know, he had a lot going on in his life. He hasn't seen his parents in, in seven years, um, you know, over in Africa. So he hasn't seen them in a long time, doesn't want to put that off. He said he's going to bet on himself that, you know, doesn't want to lose a year of, of possible money-making opportunity. And he thinks he's going to be an NFL player and, and he can do it right away. Um, but, you know, Austin Clark leaving might have had an impact on him as well, just a guy he trusted that, that could develop him and a guy who suffered a lot of injuries. So coming back for another year, maybe Batiku didn't think he'd stay healthy or risk staying healthy or risk not having as productive of a year. So he goes, and I, I, I hope he does well because uh, he was fun to cover and had some big moments for Illinois football in this past year. All right, hope you enjoyed that look at the NFL draft. Looking forward to having that kind of event in the world of sports. And I'm looking forward to Illinois, I think, next year having guys that will be more top of mind for NFL scouts because I think some Illinois games will be heavily scouted this year with some guys that we mentioned previously, Matt Torbebe, Palcheski, Lowe, uh, Nate Hobbs, Jake Hansen, Blake Hayes. Uh, The NFL scouts will have a lot of interest in next year. All right, that's going to do it for the Illini Enquirer podcast. If you don't, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We'll have all our NFL draft reaction on the website, IlliniEnquirer.com. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+.